Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. The very closest and best friends Jesus had in this world, really his only friends, they followed him day and night. They were with him all the time. They studied his teachings. They revered him. They loved him. They believed in him. They did their best to obey him. In their more lucid moments, they even knew him to be the long-awaited Messiah, the deliverer of Israel, the messenger of God. But what they did not expect was for him to be seized and arrested, interrogated, mocked, beaten, spit upon. They did not expect him to be suffering in this way, to be whipped. They did not expect him to be killed, to be killed in the most inhuman and degrading manner possible. They didn't expect that. In fact, they had no capacity to even imagine such a thing. It was inconceivable to them. You know, he warned them on many occasions of what was coming. He told them, flat out, just told them, said, I'll be mocked, beaten, and killed, but I'll rise again from the dead. But even though he told them this, Luke tells us in the gospel this morning, but they understood none of these things. Not once, not twice, but three times. Luke belabors the point. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. And they did not know the things that were spoken. Why didn't they understand? He spoke plainly. I mean, he spoke in plain English. After having been arrested and mocked and beaten, I'm going to be killed, he told them. What about that do you not understand? Not only did they not understand, Luke says these things, this saying was hidden from them. It doesn't say how or why it was hidden. We're not really sure. I mean, did God deliberately hide the meaning? Did he scramble the audio waves that was coming through the ears before it reached their ears and it was got all scrambled up so that they couldn't understand the meaning of his words maybe after it entered their ears before it got to their brain he scrambled the meaning of it or something did God do this we don't know in another place Jesus actually prayed and praised the father for hiding certain understanding from the quote-unquote wise and intelligent and revealing it to the babes. Well, these disciples, who don't understand a word he's saying, they were the babes in that other story that actually understood the meaning. Now they're in the dark. Perhaps hidden means that these disciples are just not capable of grasping what is about to unfold. Perhaps no human being is capable If imagining such a thing as God himself being beaten, as God being mocked, as God being killed. And yet, 
their holy scripture, which they knew very well, by the way, told them again and again of his suffering and death. Luke tells us in this gospel lesson, this story. Jesus is there with his disciples in the crowds, and he took the twelve aside. He took them aside privately, and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. This is not the only time Jesus tells the disciples what the prophets foretold. No one not the Jews, not the disciples, no one could imagine such a thing. After Jesus went back to heaven and sent the Spirit, the church was left here on the earth, left to craft a message, an apologia, for why and how God made man could suffer and die. And as the church, the early church, the apostles and their disciples preached and taught, and then eventually wrote down this message, again and again, they turned to the Hebrew Scriptures as the ultimate witness of Christ's passion. It was there all along, the whole time. It was right there in black and white, but nobody could see it. It had been hidden in plain sight. That is, until the light of His resurrected body, and the sending of the Spirit, illumined those who loved Him. The revelation, though, that was there in the Hebrew Scriptures, it was not immediate. It was not immediate. It took a little time to unfold in people's hearts. We have that wonderful story after his resurrection of the two disciples on their way home to Emmaus. They had no understanding that their Messiah had come to die. That is, until they met him on the road and he began to sport with them. Jesus comes alongside incognito. He sidles up and he says, Say, fellas, why so sad? Cleopas, I imagine a little bit annoyed by the question because he was hurt, says, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened? Jesus says, What things? Coyly. What things? Cleopas says, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, this great prophet, he did incredible things, miracles, many miracles, didn't you know? And then our chief priests and our rulers, they crucified him, they killed him, and we were really hoping it was he who was going to redeem us, to redeem Israel. He was killed three days ago. Now some women reported his body was missing from the tomb, and they said they saw these angels who told them he was alive. Anyway, we thought he was the one. <laughs> and Jesus says to them, you have been so foolish, so slow of heart, to believe what? To believe what? To believe what the prophets had spoken. 
Didn't they make it clear that the Christ had to suffer these things to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he goes on to explain to them from the scriptures the things concerning himself. After the resurrection, the great revelation the first Christians had was that the Hebrew scriptures were all about Jesus Christ. That's what they were about. And they could not be understood apart from Jesus Christ. And this revelation was integral to the kerygma, the gospel message that they crafted and spoke and preached. St. Paul says to the Corinthians, I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The scriptures are a revelation of the Christ who was yet to come. Jesus Christ, he is the eternal word of God. We refer to the scriptures as the word of God, but they are only the word of God inasmuch as they reveal Jesus Christ. He is all in all. He said to the Jews, you think you have life in the scriptures, but it is the scriptures that speak of me. The prophets, they wrote these words, this word of God, which was given to them. Who told them what to write? Well, the eternal word himself. He told them what to write. Through the living spirit, the father spoke the word by the spirit into the hearts of the prophets and they foretold his coming, his enfleshment, his passion, his immortality. They spoke of that which was to come. They spoke of it within the timeline of man's experienced history. But for God himself, that which was coming was always present before him. The Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And for him, the end is present in the beginning. Because while the Logos did subject himself to the constraints of finitude, Within the bounds of created time and space and mutability, this same word, this same eternal word and logos and son of the Father, at the very same time, he is outside of all of this, beyond time and space and creation. When he subjects himself to our flesh, he does not cease to be everywhere present. And so everything is always and everywhere present before him. The past, the present, the future, all of it is before him. Everything that exists or will exist, exists in him, is held together in him, for him, by him, through him. And he is the firstborn of creation. The trees grow for him. If you were here in Matins this morning, you got this message loud and clear. The rivers run for him. The voice of man exists to adore him, to praise him. The stars of heaven shine for him. The very first man in the garden, when he was created, he was patterned after the Christ who was yet to come. The scriptures reveal him to us as the one who would come and die and rise again. 
You know the life of Jesus of Nazareth, the man, Jesus of Nazareth, Mary's boy. This did not unfold before the eyes of God. It was all of it, always present before him. His birth, his passion, his glorious resurrection, the whole life fully present. His glory was present in his birth. His glory was present in his death. There was no uncertainty about how things would end up with this Jesus of Nazareth. No uncertainty. Your life too. For all the doubt and vacillation and seeming uncertainty, for all the weariness and wandering about in your life, your whole life, your past, your present, and your future, it is all present right now, eternally before the face of God. This is how God knows you. God knows even the you that you do not yet know. It is all present before his face. That's how he knows you. The question is, how do you know and see yourself? Just your past and your present? Where is your confidence in your entire life, your whole life, your complete life? The summiting of that portion of your life that you've not yet lived. The vision of our hope for ourselves is through God's eyes. Through how he sees and knows us. And he sees us as complete. Love, St. Paul told us in our epistle this morning, love believes and hopes all things. And we can come to see ourselves through the eyes of God and know that we shall be brought to fullness and perfection and glory. The principal way that we attain this vision is by participating in what we will become by receiving the glorified body and blood of our elder brother who has gone before us. What he is now, we shall be. And when we receive him to ourselves through the sacrifice of the Mass, we are becoming our future selves in this present moment. And we have all confidence and joy that we have tasted, even now, immortality. Today we begin our journey with Jesus up to Jerusalem, to Golgotha, where he will die upon the cross and we will witness his passion, his death, burial, and resurrection as we enter this holy season of Lent this week. And we'll do our best these next few weeks to identify and participate with him through it to make it our own our own experience I leave you with this startling phrase from St. Paul to contemplate as we enter into this holy season he says that we are to fill up in our flesh that which is lacking in Christ's sufferings We are to fill up in our flesh. We are to make up for what is lacking in Christ's sufferings. To be clear, that which is lacking, the only thing that is lacking in his sufferings, is your participation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine. 
pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.